Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Right now, if you would say, God, forgive me. God, I believe what I'm reading in the Word of God. I believe that I won't go to heaven like this and I want to be forgiven. I believe that your son Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave. And I want to receive you and your forgiveness. I want to receive you as my Lord. You put your faith in him today, he will receive you today, he'll forgive you today, he'll begin to work a new work in your life today, he will put his spirit in you today, and you'll have a strength that you've never had before, God's power, God at work in you, that you might be able to move forward with the things that God has called you to do. Today is the day to receive salvation for your sins, and enter into a new life with the Lord. In today's message from Pastor Bill, he encourages you to receive Jesus. Don't think that your past sins cancel you out from receiving forgiveness and salvation in Christ. Jesus will take you exactly as you are today. You don't have to worry about Him rejecting you, because He won't. Pastor Bill explains that Jesus will gladly receive you into His loving embrace. Choose to turn away from your sins and turn to Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians chapter 3. As he continues his message, Old man versus new man. So when he began to speak to me about the gospel, I couldn't deny him. I had faith in the fact that, you know, he had adhered to what he said he he believed. And so he had my respect, at least for that. And that's who God used to lead me to Christ. His changed life was a testimony. Even when I didn't know it was, it was testifying to me of the power of God to transform a life. He was what I used to be. And now he was not what I was any longer And so you get to be that for people. As the Lord transforms you, you'll be that testimony. You'll be that witness, particularly for those that knew you beforehand. And, you know, for family and friends and folk, it takes time. Some people will think, oh, he's going through a phase. He's just, he's trying out church, you know. You got to live it out for a while before some people, you know, give you the credit. That's okay. Because you got to, you're supposed to live it out for the rest of your life anyway. So just keep living it. And after a while, people will have to acknowledge that this is the reality. This is who they are now. So moving on, he says, our life is, is hidden with Christ in God. Verse four, it says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And while on earth, our life is hidden right now on earth. My life is hidden with Christ in God. Everybody can't see what's going on. They can see my transformation, but it's hidden. But God said, there's a day coming in the future when Christ who is our life. He is everything to us. Christ is everything to the believer. He is our life. He is why we have life. God says there's a day that's coming. He's going to appear and we're going to appear with him. It'll be public then. One day all the questions will be answered. One day we're going to appear with him. It won't be hidden in him. We'll be appearing with him visibly. And that's the hope of the believer. We look for the day. We know for us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We look forward to a day where the Lord is going to return and we're going to be with him. We're going to return with him. We covered that in Revelation quite heavily. And so these are the things that believers are looking forward to. Verse 5 now. He's going to begin to list now attributes and behaviors of the old life that should no longer characterize the man or the woman of God. I need you to listen to the things that we're laying out here 
And you need to listen and consider for yourself. These things still characterize me. Certainly I walked in some of these things as a non-believer, but does this still characterize you today? If so, you're in trouble. And if so, then there's some repenting and some, some changes that need to take place in your life because he's given us this information to reveal that I want you to know what the old man looks like so that if you still look like the old man, don't be walking around here thinking you a new man. If you still look like this, you need to be changed. And let me just say this because... I think in some people's minds, some people think it's possible to be born again, but still kind of continue in the old life. But because you have acknowledged Jesus, because you prayed a prayer to God, that it's okay. You know, it's okay to live on in whatever you used to do, but you just added to your sinful life the fact that I did pray that prayer and I've accepted Jesus. And I'm saying that Jesus is Lord, but practically he's not the Lord. Practically, I do whatever I want. That is a danger today. I think there are people that are false. They have a false sense of their spiritual security today. And if you just read scripture, honestly, you would understand that it doesn't work like that. You cannot go on in old sin, old life, habitual rebellion, and expect that I am going to heaven when this is over with. So listen to what he says about the old man, how he identifies it. Starting in verse five. Therefore, he says, put to death your members, which are on the earth. So speaking of the body and the the things our body does, he says, put these things to death. First on the list, fornication. This is generally used to describe sexual intercourse between unmarried persons, or uh, sometimes it's a broader word that just means sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, sexual behavior outside of marriage. But fornication here, first on the list, uncleanness. This refers to impurity of thought, word or action, moral filth rather than physical dirtiness here. So whereas fornication is actually doing dirt, the second word uncleanness is it's in your mind, it's in your heart. And so maybe maybe you aren't doing it, but you're thinking it, you're watching it, you're participating in it and mentally and otherwise. And it's not the other yet. He says, hey, this, this can't be part of a, a believer's life. This can't be how you habitually get down. So fornication, uncleanness, the next is passion. This, this word of the, for all first three are kind of all of a sexual nature. Um, the word passion, it denotes a strong unbridled lust. Just someone who's just given over to, to the lust of their flesh in different ways. So you got fornication, uncleanness, passion. Next is evil desire. This is a, an intense and often violent craving. So evil desire. Next covetousness. It says covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness in general, it means greediness or a desire to have more. Here it may also refer to an unholy desire to satisfy sexual appetites, but it's idolatry. Covetousness is wanting more. It's, it's saying what God has given me isn't enough. I want more than what God has provided. Again, we live in a world that is always throwing stuff in our face to make you want more, more, more. And so there's a lack of contentment. For you guys that are doing the Bible reading, um, yesterday in Philippians, we covered the section in Philippians 4, where Paul said, I've learned to be content in every situation. Rather, I have a lot or a little. I abound or I'm a base. I'm hunger, I'm full. He said, I've learned that whatever state I'm in, I'm able to be content. Then in the context of that, he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Right? I can be content in any situation. Can you be content in any situation? Are you content when you got a lot? Are you content when you have a little? Are you content when you have a little and they have a lot? You know, we need to be able to be content in whatever state God has put us in. God is allowing us to be in. 
And so again, covetousness, which he says is idolatry. Then verse six, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So because of the things that we've listed here, God says, these are the attributes and the characteristics of those who are not born again, the sons of disobedience. It says, for this reason, the wrath of God is coming. These are the things that the people are doing that God says his wrath is coming down on. And so again, I would challenge you that are here, that are born again, that believe that you're saved. Does this characterize you? It should not. This list shouldn't characterize you. If it does, then hear me, hear me. You should repent today. Right. If this character, if this is like, this is how I live. This is this because what he's describing here is the old man, not the new man. This is the old man and the old man's desires. And if this is characteristic of how you're living, what you're doing, this would indicate that hey, I, you need to be born again. There needs to be a change that comes about in your life. You cannot continue to go on this way and expect that you're OK with God here and will be OK with the Lord. There's got to be repentance and transformation that takes place in our lives. And so again, he says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Verse seven says in which you once walked when you lived in them. What he's acknowledging here is that you, you used to do this. Everybody here has a day where we used to live in sin. It's just no longer the case. Hopefully. Hopefully we're no longer living in the things that we used to live in. So, you know, sometimes you know, I think for believers, you know, they try to distance themselves from whatever they used to be. And we should in our behavior and our practice, but our testimonies are there. You know, if you used to be an alcoholic, if you used to be a drug addict, if you used to be in whatever you used to, used to do, it's sometimes letting people know where we've come from is, is a great testimony of what God is doing in our life, how that man, we're not the same. Things have changed. We're no longer what we were before we met the Lord. So I'm not saying that we gloat in our past, but you shouldn't hide your testimony. Some people are ashamed of their testimony. And, and I understand that, you know, we probably did some shameful things, but I've seen testimonies be helpful. I've seen it be, it give hope to someone, someone that's lost in what God delivered you from. It can bring hope to them. When they hear about how God brought you out, how God delivered you so completely, how so radically your life has changed since you came and met the Lord. And so I love the way Paul does this in first Corinthians. We write notes, write down first Corinthians six. I'm going to read verses nine through 11. He lists again, a list of sins that will keep people out of heaven. But then he talks about how the, 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 the Corinthians have been changed. Listen to what he says. First Corinthians chapter six, verses nine through 11. He says, do you not know? that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor a drunk, nor uh, adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says this, and such were some of you, but... You were washed. What do we get washed in, you guys? The blood of Jesus. Amen. We're going to celebrate communion before we're done. We were washed in the blood of Jesus. We were sanctified. That word means to be set apart by God for God. So he washed us in his blood, took our sins away. He sanctified us, set us apart by him for him. You were justified. That means that we're made right in God's sight through Jesus in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. And so what Paul does there in Corinthians to let them know, look, even though that's what you were, 
Even though that's what you used to be, God can change all of that for the person that comes to Jesus Christ. Amen. Anybody's invited, no matter what you've been through, no matter what sin, whatever sins on the list you were given over to, everyone's welcome. Everybody can come in when God opens his doors wide and everybody can walk right in through him. He has made salvation available to everybody. So we don't ever point out sin to condemn people. We don't point out sin so people will feel bad. We point out sin so that you wouldn't be deceived into thinking that you can live that way and go to heaven. But rather you would say, wow, that's how I'm living. That's me. I need to be forgiven. And now we're saying, here's the good news. Jesus will forgive you right now. Wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you've done right now, if you would say, God, forgive me, God, I believe what I'm reading in the word of God. I believe that I won't go to heaven like this and I want to be forgiven. I believe that your son, Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave. And I'm, I want to receive you and your forgiveness. I want to receive you as my Lord. You put your faith in him today. He will receive you today. He'll forgive you today. He'll begin to work a new work in your life today. He will put his spirit in you today and you'll have a strength that you've never had before. God's power, God at work in you, that you might be able to move forward with the things that God has called you to do. This is something I love about God, right? God does call us to live different, but he doesn't require us to do it in our strength. God says, look, you need to change. You need to repent. You can't continue to walk like that. However, if you will make the decision to turn from your sin, I'm telling you guys, this is how it works. This is wonderful. If you will make the decision to turn, God will supply the power by his Holy Spirit. So some of us are in our sins and we're like, I can't see stopping. I've tried in my own strength and I failed. I don't have the strength. God knows you don't. Right. And he loves you in that condition. But if you will repent, if you'll turn from it in your heart and your mind and say, God, I need help. I promise you, God will help you. God will give you the strength. God will never call you to do something that he won't empower you to be able to do. He's not setting you up to fail. He's for you. He's not against you. You guys know that? God is for sinners. God is for the worst of the worst that we might look at. The Bible would say God is for them, right? He's for them. He's for their forgiveness. He's for their salvation. Romans 5 eight. God says he demonstrated his love towards you and me and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. That means while you were at the club, while you were turning up, while you were doing whatever you were doing, Christ was dying to forgive you for it. Christ was dying to make a way for you to escape the penalties of it. He was making a way. His heart was for you and it still is. And so the question is never is God for us. The question always is back on us. Are we for the Lord? Have we turned to God? Are we now reconciling ourselves? Are we being reconciled to God or are we continuing in rebellion? I would call us all to either you have already come to the Lord. And we're, we're going to continue to walk in newness of life and grow in this. This will be something that continues to go. If you've been walking with the Lord 15 years, you're still going under transformation. Amen. And it's never going to stop. If you're here, if you are 19 and if you're 99, you both are being trans. You can, God's continuing to do a work. There's things that God is still at every stage of your walk. There'll be the work of sanctification is going to continue on. And there could be changes that God is making, things that God is calling you away from and calling you to. And so it, it never ends till we get to heaven. And so wherever we are, we should be looking to continually grow and move forward. And I walk with the Lord. So moving on now, verse eight, he continues with behaviors of the old person of the old nature. Verse eight, he says, but now you yourselves are to put off these. And so we have another list, anger. This is a... <laughs> It's defined as a strong spirit of dislike or animosity, a vengeful spirit, 
a settled feeling of hatred, anger. Uh, and now everybody gets angry. Even God got angry. The Bible says be angry, but what? Sin not. So if you are hot headed, right? If you get angry and, and you in your anger, you sin all the time. That's what we're talking about here. Someone that's given over to their anger. You just give room to, it characterizes you. As a Christian, we should not be characterized as angry. People that work, they should, oh man, that, don't say nothing to her. Oh no, no man, she'll tear you up, you know? And that's, that, now if that's a non-believer, that's okay. But if, if they talk about Christians like that, y'all know that's not okay. Y'all know that? That's not okay. So you shouldn't be given over to anger. Your neighbor, the, the kids in your neighborhood shouldn't be afraid. To, we had ladies in our neighborhood where we knew if, if we rode our bikes and we touched their grass, they was coming out to give us an earful. And so being, you know, knucklehead kids, you would, you know, you bump your, your friend on the grass so they can get screamed at, you know, by the mean lady or whatever. But we shouldn't see that same woman getting in the car to go to church on Sunday every week, though. You know, the bad witness. And so if you're giving over to anger, that's something that God would say, hey, that, that's part of the old man. That can't be a part of your your consistent characteristic as a believer. Next on the list is wrath. This is des- described as an intense form of anger probably involves violent outbursts. So someone that's, it's your anger, is wrath is your anger that's spilled over into outbursts. It could be yelling and screaming. It could be going after people. And so again, these are all attributes of the old man, the old nature. And so again, if you're saying that you're a Christian, and I would say the best barometer for this are the people that live in your house, right? If you're a dad or a mom and you got kids, ask them, do I blow up all the time? Some of y'all don't want to ask because you already know you do. Right. And and I'm saying this, right. If you know, that's true. Know that no two things. One, this is telling you that you're living in the old person. Either you need to really repent of giving way to the old man or you need to be born again. If that's your consistent character and behavior. Number two, if you're a parent, you're being a bad witness to your kids. Do you want your kids to go to heaven? Do you want your kids to believe in the reality of who Jesus is? They better see the transformation in you first. And if you're putting off fake to your kids, you got to give an account to God for that. If you're demonstrating to them, this is not real. This is, there's nothing real about this. If they're, if they're saying dad's a Christian and he blows up and tears up the, then what have you done to your kid's faith? You're going to give an account for that. It is a big deal to God, right? And it's not just in our homes. It could be in our communities. It could be in our workplace or whatever. But God said, look, this is characteristic of the old man. Anger, wrath. The next on the list is malice. Malice is wicked conduct towards another person with the idea of harming the person or their reputation. So, you know, this is, you know, maybe someone you don't like and so you talk about them bad. You, you put out information about them bad or you come after them. It's being malicious. You didn't accidentally hurt their feelings. It was malice. You got, that's a heart issue that flows out into action. Are you a malicious person? You come for people. You know, you come against people. Do you do things that harm or injure other people? God would say, look, that's malice. That's not a believer. That don't characterize the saints. We, the saints are going out. We helping folks. Amen. We're feeding people, giving them drink, praying for their hurts. We're not out there doing malicious, mean stuff, hurting people. That should not be us. That should never characterize the, the child of God, the man or the woman of God. So we got malice. Next, blasphemy. This is the, the idea here is, is strong language used against another person. It's not like blaspheming God here in that way. Blasphemy and then the next one, they kind of go together. Blasphemy is against a person. Filthy language means shameful speaking and describes that which is lewd, indecent, or corrupt, disgraceful, or, or impure language. So 
as believers, should you have a foul mouth as a believer? Huh? All right. Because some believers got foul mouths. <laughs> so I've heard of people getting cussed out in church parking lots. Not ours, praise God. But I've heard of people, you know, leaving church and, and, and you know, can't get out in time and just, you know, shut up. You know, it's not no tongues. They're saying some other stuff, you know. So look, if you're a believer and, and you're saying, look, Christ is Lord and the spirit of God rules and reigns in my life. Why you still talk like that? Why you still got a foul mouth? Why you still talk like a son of Satan? Or a daughter of the devil, you know, whichever one you may be. We shouldn't be cussing. That shouldn't be our language as people that are representing the king of kings. Amen. So be concerned. He's, he's laying out the old man again. He'll go into the new man a little bit today and then a lot more next week. But he's saying, look, this is the old man. And this is this should not characterize you or me today. And so moving on, he says, the, uh, uh, says um, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Verse nine. And this is a big one. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So the last thing about the old man is he's a liar. How many of us when we weren't saved used to lie? Raise your hands. Every hand should go up. Y'all have been lying since you got here. So some of y'all been lying. Y'all, some of y'all couldn't even talk yet and you was lying. Your mama asked, did you take it? Mm-mm. You didn't have no words yet. You was lying. So it's part of the fallen nature, right? We lie. That's, it's a bad thing. Here's the thing. When you come into your walk with the Lord, your relationship with Christ, that can't continue to be. As a Christian, you shouldn't be a good liar, right? You should be a truth teller now. And it's difficult, especially if that's, you know, something you, you know, kind of got good at, you know, some of us, when we weren't saved, we got good at lying. We use lying to get out of trouble or to, you know, shade things or whatever. People use lying for a lot of things. This is what you need to know about lying. It is the opposite character of God, right? The Bible says God doesn't just tell the truth. He is the truth, right? Jesus says, I am the way, the what? I, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but by me, the truth is who he is. Now, Satan is a liar. The Bible says in John chapter eight, verse 44, speaking of the devil, it says that the devil is the daddy of all lies. Y'all know that? And when anybody lies, you're tapping into a satanic resource. You're becoming like Satan when you lie. So as a believer, you want to resist that. You want to acknowledge, wow, this is not how God would have me to be. Here's some different ways that people lie. Some people lie outright, you know. Where are you coming from? Uh, you just tell a lie. Boom. You know, usually there's a motive for lying. You're lying to get out of trouble. You're lying to, to not be found out. There's something else you did. Lying to cover up something else bad that you did. But one form of lying is just outright telling something that's not true. Another form of lying is withholding information. I can withhold enough information to where I lead you to believe something that's not true. That's lying too. That's being deceptive. That's not being truthful. It's not being honest. That's not how God is. Another form of lying is exaggeration, exaggerating something, you know, making it more than what it is. You know, uh, guys do this all the time. You know, you got a guy that can barely make a layup. Oh, man, I'll be out there hooping him up. I could I could do I'm dunking on him. He can't touch the backboard. Somebody dunking on people, you know, just a, exaggeration is a form of lying, cheating. Right. You guys play games. If some of y'all, some of y'all are competitive. I know some competitive people, but some people are so competitive that they'll cheat, right? Uh, I used to play this game called Words with Friends. Y'all know what that game is, right? And I'll be, I'll be playing with people that were my friends, 
And so you know these people. So I'm playing the game with a friend of mine that I know the brother don't speak that well. And he's coming up with all kind of words and names. I'm like, this is, you know, I, I, it's unbelievable. Then I found out that there was a, a cheat for the game. And you can go behind him, man, you got to be kidding. This guy's been cheating me this whole time. I'm over here getting frustrated because I'm I'm pretty good with words. And this guy's whooping me. He's cheating. He, he typing in words in some app to come back. And so cheating is a form of lying. It's deceptive. It's not true. This is what we know about lying. It's the way of the enemy. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. As the Apostle Paul urged the members of the Colossian church to remember fully that they were saved by the blood of Jesus and that their lives should reflect that. The same goes for you and me. If we have said that we believe in Jesus and what He did for us, then there is a practical side to living out our faith. We have the opportunity to set an example through our obedience to Him. In other words, are you letting God lead you every day? Are you giving up control on how your life should be in your home, in your workplace, in the world? Friends, through this yielding, there will spring a deeper desire for more of Jesus. And our prayer is that your relationship with Him will grow every day. Care to know how? You'll find all the information you need on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Just click on the Know Jesus tab. Here it is again, calvaryinglewood.org. For more personal contact, feel free to call or text us at 310-245-4811. We would love to encourage you more in your daily walk with Jesus. So please, pick up that phone and dial 310-245-4811. A Transforming Word is a ministry from Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, out of Inglewood, California. This concludes the time we have for today, but we're so grateful you took the time to listen to this issue with Pastor Bill. We'll be back again to share with you more on A Transforming Word.